Thank you, God. Sherry just told me she saw a vision of angels that were encamped around this whole building and around this property. And angels in this place that are on assignment. So we thank you, Lord, for your angels that are here. That you are the Lord of heavenly hosts. The angels that are in this place on assignment. And that there's a healing, a healing breakthrough available in the atmosphere this morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Release. Continue to release your anointing, Lord. Continue to release your glory, God. In this house, we thank you, Lord, that your kingdom is advancing at, at this very moment. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that there is nothing that you cannot do. We thank you, Lord, there is nothing that you cannot do. We're not listening to what the enemy is saying. We're not listening to what the lukewarm are saying. We're not listening to what the compromised are saying. And we're not listening to what the fearful are saying. We are listening to what our Lord God Almighty is saying. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And we are coming into this season as a bride made ready. As a bride made ready, as a radiant company of burning hearts. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for we are the triumphant people of God. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that like David, we are going in with a harp and coming out with the head of the giant. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Come on, stir it, church. Just start stirring it. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that revival, that refinement, that reformation and restitution in our nation is upon us. We thank you, Lord, that our destiny is to preach the gospel across the earth. And we call it forth in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, God, that what you are releasing in this hour is not just in our nation, but it's also global. Hallelujah. A global revival is upon us in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, that a fire is breaking out in your house, Lord. A fire is breaking out in your church, Lord. Thank you, God. And we will preach the full truth of the gospel that sin is sin, hell is real, and repentance is necessary. That there is no more sugarcoating. There is no more making people feel comfortable because we see where it got us. But we thank you, Lord, that you are anointing us to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers, and to cast out demons. Anoint us, Lord, to build, to build, to build like we've never built before. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, if you've been fighting depression, then I say be free by the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. And in the name of Jesus, if you've been fighting cancer, I say be healed by the power of the Holy Ghost this morning. 
Thank you, Lord. And I say, if you've been led astray and living in sin, come home to the Father by the conviction of the Holy Ghost and by the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. And for whatever you may be going to, I release the anointing of the joy of the Lord to you in the name of Jesus. The joy of the Lord come back into your heart in the name of Jesus. If you're carrying a burden for your children, I declare that your children will be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, God. We thank you that there is nothing you cannot do. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Thank you, God. The anointing, the anointing of healing, a breakthrough of healing is, is in the room. Can I ask everyone if at any point in your life, if you've been supernaturally healed by God, it, it was a God healed you, would you raise your hand? Would everyone look at around at who at some point in their life has been supernaturally healed by the Lord God Almighty? We thank you, God. Can we give God praise that he is a healer? Arise Street Ministry team yesterday, they received, uh, they got to see uh, healings and miracles. And I saw where Pastor Kent Christmas said recently, he said, there's a difference in blessings and miracles. Blessings are when your child comes out of 100.3 fever, praise God. Miracles are when he commands leukemia to come out of your child. Hallelujah. And how many of us know we are in the days of the miraculous? The realm of the miraculous is upon us. So I want you to start thanking God for his miracles. Thank God for miracles across the room. Just start thanking God for miracles. Thank you, God. If you need a miracle, if you need a miracle in your body this morning, would you be so bold and raise your hand? Just say, I need a miracle. All right, all right look around. If those people around you are raising their hand, just if you're around, just place a hand on their shoulder. And we're just going to pray for a miracle this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. The realm of the miraculous. Miracles are in the heavens. Begin to release it over one another right now. We thank you, God. We declare on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, God. Divine healing is being poured out to your bodies and to your family in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We pray. I pray, Lord, and I thank you that you're healing someone's neck. You're healing someone's neck, and there's pinched nerves that are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that uh, inflammatory muscles are being healed right now in the name of Jesus. And heaven is releasing anti-inflammatory to your body right now. It's called the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God. I thank you, God, He's, he, that he wants to heal someone's heart this morning, physical, your physical heart, having issues with your heart. We declare healing in the blood of Jesus over your heart in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Just continue to release it, church. Continue to release it. This is a house of miracles. Our God is a God of miracles. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. What a joy to be a part of a house that believes. Amen. What a joy to be a part of the family of God that believes in the miraculous power of God. Isn't it fun to actually believe what the Bible says? Isn't it fun to actually believe the Word of God? Hallelujah. Can we give God praise? Can we start giving God praise? We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And throughout the service, we want you to let us know what God has done. We want you to let us know how he's touched your bodies and how he healed you. Let us know so we can celebrate what God is doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Wow. Wow. This morning, I was, I was wanting to go in the direction of talking with you about the seven mountain mandate. I've spoken of it briefly in a message a short time back, and I do want to go deeper into it at some point, as I believe uh, it's so significant for how we continue to advance and to move forward and to be reformers in our nation. However, I was trying to go there, but uh, I sensed this week the Lord, uh, from the Lord, that we were st there were still some things within us that He's desiring to reveal, still some things within us that He's desiring to heal and to establish and to awaken before we go there. And so I will talk about it with you at some point, maybe even real soon. I didn't want to uh, throw out the seven mountains and then not unpack it further together. Uh, however, the Lord's timing is perfect. We'll see what God has. And I was led to shift, and so what I want to talk with you this morning about is a man that God came to, and he told him to lead a nation. He called him, and he chose him. He appointed and he anointed him for a divine moment of breakthrough and freedom in history for God's people. And I'm talking about God calling Gideon. And so I want us to go to Judges chapter 6, if you've got your Bibles or your Bible apps. Judges chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1. Judges chapter 6 and verse 1, it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So it was, 
Whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So what's happening here, church, is Israel is in hiding They were hiding out in caves, uh, and this was only just a few generations after the exodus from Egypt and after they had been delivered and had become set free. Uh, They began doing evil, it says, and they are being oppressed, and they get so impoverished that they finally cry out to God. How many of us know that when we cry out to God, He does move? He does move, but most often he calls us to move with him. He calls us into partnership, into faith, into an activation of what he wants to do in us, through us, and for us. So Israel is crying out, and then we are going to go down to verse 11 in Judges 6, where we see God's answer to their cry and his call to Gideon. Verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Let me stop here and say, when God calls you, he calls you according to your destiny. He actually calls you up to your rightful place and into your identity. Gideon is hiding. He's starving, he's impoverished, and he's threshing wheat. There's nothing mighty man of valor like about the moment he is in. And what does the Lord say? He says, I am with you. You are a warrior. You are a mighty man. You may be hiding out right now, but that's not who you are. Mom's at home with your little ones. God doesn't see you as a stressed out mom. He sees you as a nurturer, as a warrior, as a peacekeeper, and as a destiny shaper. To our older women in the house, God doesn't see you as past your prime. He sees you as vital to his purposes and thriving in his courts. He sees you as full of wisdom, strong in authority, and divinely marked by his refining fire. Men, God doesn't see you as a failure who can't beat the demons that try to attack you. He sees you as a mighty man of destiny who slays demons for breakfast, who casts out the orphan spirit for lunch, and who puts a feast of transformational love on the family table for dinner. Strong in protection, wide in covering, full of patience, bold as a lion, cleansed by holy fire. Men, that's how God sees you because he sees you not where you are, but who you can become. 
And he calls you into that high place and standard. And he says, mighty man of valor, stop hiding in the wine press. Get out of the pit. It's time to step into your destiny. Let's go to war and lead a nation. I am with you. And then listen to what Gideon says in verse 13. Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Gideon's response, does that sound familiar to anyone? Why, God? Why? Melanie's message last Sunday was so profound as she talked about recognizing the worth of King Jesus regardless of the outcome. We must become aware and awakened by heaven to the triumph of the moment that we are in. And this is not how it's supposed to go, Lord. (laughs) Us telling Almighty God how something's supposed to go. Let's laugh at that, right? This isn't the outcome that I wanted, God. There is a sifting process that is continuing to take place in the earth and in the body of Christ for what God is preparing to do. What if part of the sifting process now looks like God seeing who in the church, who in his body is going to stop complaining and start taking responsibility for the direction and the destiny of this nation? of the next generation, of our spheres of influence that God has placed us in. And then what, what I love next is uh, God doesn't answer Gideon's question. Gideon's a- asking why uh, God doesn't ask him. Now, I don't love it when I'm in Gideon's shoes, and I just want an answer of God. But I love it when I read about Gideon, right? But Gideon is asking why. He's asking why, and this is what God says in verse 14. He says, go. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So God doesn't answer Gideon. Instead, he says, go, be who I've called you to be and save Israel. And it's time that we move and we shift into a church across the earth that not only prays for breakthrough, but also walks in the knowledge of the Lord that we carry the very spirit of breakthrough in us. Have I not sent you, says the Lord. How many of us, like Gideon, we've, we've, uh, are asking questions, hiding out and not stepping into our calling because we've forgotten who it is that has sent us? And the Lord says, have I, Lord God Almighty, not sent you? Because when he sends you, then you carry his authority. When he sends you, then you carry his power. You carry his protection. You carry his favor. When you wear the signet ring of the king, your actions are his actions. Your words are his decrees. And how many of you agree that in this very hour we need bold and we need righteous warrior representatives of the king like never before who say we reject the wicked and the godless agendas in our nation and we will do everything in our power through God's power to righteously, not violently, but righteously oppose it and enforce the kingdom of light. Jonathan Kahn, he recently released a word and it was a call to repentance to Joe Biden, 
And if you saw it, it was very heartfelt. And he was saying, how can you place your left hand on the Bible, the holy word of God, and then with your right hand sign executive orders that directly go to war against his holy word? How can you have one hand on the word of God that ordains human life as sacred and as made in the image of God from conception, then with the other hand sign laws and orders that legalize the destruction and killing of that very sacred life? How can you invoke the name of God in your oath and then make decisions and orders that censor his word and keep his name and word from going forth? I want to remind this church that the righteous are as bold as a lion. And we need to be all the more bold because of the censoring, because of the canceling that is taking place right now. And I want to remind us, church, about those in Washington that are signing and those that are supporting these executive orders. I've said this before, but you cannot legislate the killing of God's precious children of destiny and expect to get away with it. There was... uh, a story told by uh, William Paul Young. He's the author of The Shack, and he tells a story of his mother who uh, she was uh, 18 years old, and she was a nurse in training, and she got uh, brought into a uh, emergency C-section at the hospital uh, for a mother who she was on her eighth child, and all seven before had either been miscarried or had been born prematurely. And here on this eighth child, the child uh, was being born prematurely again. She got caught into this, kind of really just pulled into this emergency C-section, and they, they got the baby out, and the doctor handed the little child who was uh, a, a total of one pound, one pound, and, and the doctor put the little baby uh, in this 18-year-old nurse's hands, uh, and actually hand, it fit in the size of one hand, and she looked at it, and the doctor told her, he said, uh, go, go uh, dispose of, of the child. And so she starts walking away, and she's, uh, you know, saying and understanding that she takes orders from the doctor, and she looked down, and the little child was still breathing. At one pound, the little child was still breathing, and she knew she had a, a decision to make, and so uh, she's looking at this child breathing, and so she takes these, finds these, you know, cloths, and she wraps it up out of sight where no one could see her, and then she placed the child on a warming uh, station you know, out of sight where no one could see it, and then she says, I'll come back in an hour uh, after the child has stopped breathing and passed away at that point, and then I'll, I'll do what the doctor told me to. So she comes back in an hour, and the child is still alive. The child is still breathing, and so she puts the child in her arms and she starts praying and she starts rocking the child and she says well at least for the next few hours I will I will hold the child and pray as the as the child passes well the next hour goes by the next hour the third hour comes and the child is still alive and breathing breathing and she thinks oh my goodness I'm, I'm really about to be in trouble uh, they've already told the parents, uh, you know, that the child didn't make it. And so then she takes the child to uh, the other nurses and they start, you know, feeding the little baby and giving it, you know, sustenance and, and getting it warm and taking care of it. And they think, well, we'll just take care of it over the next day, you know, until it passes. And then the next day comes uh, and the child loses weight. But then the next day comes and the child starts gaining weight and the child is still alive by the third day. So the 
understand that they've got to tell the parents now. And so the, uh, the, the nurse goes to the doctor and tells the doctor what she did, and the doctor is absolutely livid at what has happened and what is taking place and what she's done. So they call the parents in, and the doctor sits down, and he says, we thought your child uh, didn't make it, but through the modern miracles of medicine, uh, your child is alive. The doctor's the hero, right? <laughs> the story goes, he takes the credit, you know, and they don't say anything about what the nurse had done. And, and so he says, through the modern miracles of medicine, your child is alive. And, of course, the parents are just crying, and they're so happy. They don't know how long they've got with the child, but they're just happy that they have their baby. They have their child, a little baby boy, and they named him Harold. And so uh, they end up, you know, the next month goes by, and the child is still alive and breathing, and is starting to gain a little weight. Then the next month goes by, and the child is gaining weight, and is starting to grow and become healthier and healthier. Well, months and months goes by. And they get to take this child home, and they actually get to raise this child up and be a family with little Harold. And so uh, what happens is later on in life, uh, this, you know, 18-year-old nurse, she's now grown up, uh, and she's much older, and she runs into uh, little Harold's mother, the mother uh, out in town, and they start talking, and, uh, and you know, this mother still didn't know what she had done to save the life of her child, uh, but they start talking, and what she discovers, the mother told her, is that Harold had grown up, and he answered the call uh, of the Lord to be a missionary in West Africa, and he was in West Africa as a missionary leading people to Christ and releasing the gospel of salvation, because an 18-year-old nurse made a decision to choose life. Later on, years later, uh, she looks him up and she finds out again uh, that Harold, after being on the mission field in West Africa, Harold was now and now still to this day is a pastor, a minister at an Anglican church, and he's shepherding God's people, and he's releasing the love of the kingdom into his city, and he's bringing people into the kingdom and bringing people to Christ uh, in his life. All because an 18-year-old nurse made a decision to choose life, church. All because she made a powerful decision to look at this child, this one-pound baby, when everyone else said to dispose of it. And she saw she didn't see something that needed to be disposed. She saw a breathing life. She saw life. The Lord says, go in this might of yours. Have I not sent you? What does it look like in the areas, in the spheres of influence, and what God has called to you to choose life? Bruce Springsteen, he had a massively hypocritical commercial last week in the Super Bowl. He was in a church, and he was saying that we need to heal as a nation Uh, And when he's someone that has actually supported the lockdown of the church, he has actually supported cancel culture. And then the end of the ad said the reunited states of America. Now, what they are saying is surrender, bow your knee to our agenda and to wokeism. And the church must say, no, we reject wokeness. It's a false light. It's a false love. It's a false form of being awake. It's like a husband telling his battered wife, hey, I've beaten and I've abused you, but let's keep this marriage going the way it is because it's working for me. We reject the direction that this is going in and we advance the righteous and holy ways of the Lord our God. 
Mario Murillo, who is seeing thousands of people come uh, to Christ and be saved in his tent meetings right now in California, he recently said, we've gone from putting a man on the moon to putting a man in the women's restroom. Church, when unity when unity requires us to give up our kingdom principles, then what we end up with is compromise. I'm going to say that again. When unity requires us to give up our kingdom principles, then what we end up with is compromise. And a compromised church is a powerless church. And a powerless church is not a triumphant church. And we are sons and daughters of a triumphant, unshaking, advancing kingdom. So I'm going to go back to Gideon. I got all that out of verse 14, okay? <laughs> verse 15, back to Gideon. So he said to him, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites. So Gideon is asking God, how can I, how can I, youngest, smallest, save Israel? And once again, God does not, God does not answer Gideon's question, or even in this moment, he does not give him a strategy. But what does God say? He says, surely I will be with you. And then God gives Gideon a promised victory. So we say, you're calling me, Lord, to lead this nation. You're calling me, Lord, to be that bold. You're calling me, Lord, to go to a rise street ministry and pray for the people and lay hands on the sick. You're calling me, Lord, to stand for what is right in your eyes, Lord, in my workplace when no one else is. Yes, you. He, uh, the Lord says, I'm calling you. I'm not ready, Lord. Yes, you. I've been hiding, Lord. Yes, you. I'm not strong enough in my faith, Lord. Yes, you. I'm not old enough. Yes, you. I'm too old. Yes, you. I haven't been to ministry school. Yes, you. I've been through too much or I've done too much. Yes, you. No more excuses for why you can't do the things you're called to do. Yes, you. Get up. Let's go. Brush the dust from the desert season off. Surely I will be with you, says the Lord. And I believe it that in whatever it may be that is in front of you, that is bigger than you, because that's what God does. It's always bigger than us. He extends the tent pegs. He enlarges your territory. He calls us in such a way that our faith in him must expand and mature and where he gets the glory. And so in whatever that may be for you, we must come to a moment where we surrender everything. Everything, our questions, our doubts, he wants it all. He's a good father. He wants it all. Our need to know, our, our, even our need to have a plan, our, our shortcomings, our, our weaknesses, our strengths, our families, our lack of having a strong family inheritance, our outcomes. Surrender everything and say, Lord, if you are with me, if you are with me, then that's enough. That's enough. It's enough. It's enough for me to say, yes, I will go. I will be obedient. I will lead. He calls us, and then like with Gideon, he promises our victory, but he doesn't always show us what that victory looks like because it's not just about what he is calling you to. It's not just about the victory that is coming. It's also about his desire to have all of you because there's a level of full surrender to him 
that only happens when we say yes before we see the victory. When he alone and his word over us is enough. He's fierce about you. He is jealous for you, and he wants all of you, your full surrender, your full surrender. And this is what I've learned is that God, he doesn't always call us to do something new. But often, he's calling us to do something that we are already doing, but with a better attitude and with a greater purpose than fire so that he can prepare you for the more, so that he can prepare you for the new. Hallelujah. And then what happens in verse 19 is that Gideon, he offers a sacrifice to the Lord of a young goat and unleavened bread. And this sacrifice that Gideon offers of a goat and the bread was very costly in the natural because they were impoverished. So Gideon gives God a sacrifice that required trust. It required faith. It, it, it required much of him. And this sacrifice is significant also because the unleavened bread is a remembrance for him of God's provision for his family and for the people of Israel. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread is observed for seven days after Passover. Uh, which, as we know, Passover represents Israel's redemption from uh, slavery in Egypt as death passed over the homes marked by the blood of a lamb. And in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it takes place directly after Passover as it represents their deliverance from Egypt as the removal of the leaven is the removal, it's the separation of God's people from slavery in Egypt, from slavery of the world. We are God's chosen people that are set apart from the world. And through salvation in Christ, we are cleansed from sin. And because of his sacrifice, we now lay down our old self. The leaven is removed. The leaven is removed in order for us to be sanctified in Christ as a new creation. So for Gideon in this moment, this is a symbolic remembrance. It's much more than a piece of bread because he and his people who were set free by the mighty hand of God from their evil oppressors, they are no longer free. And Gideon, Gideon needed to remember who his God is and who his, who his people are called to be. And so what we see is that unleavened bread also is a bread that hasn't risen. The unleavened has, makes it where it has not risen yet. And we've been talking a lot lately about how it's time for the church to arise and shine, that we are called to arise and shine as the people of God. And if you have been saying, uh, yes, I want to arise and shine, but I just can't quite find the strength. I can't quite find the passion to rise into what God is calling me into. Then I want you to understand that when God calls you, you don't always have time to let the bread rise. You've got to bring him your sacrifice. You've got to bring him whatever you've got, wherever you're at, and you've got to bring it to him right now. So maybe you've been desiring to arise and shine. Maybe you've been waiting to receive boldness. Maybe you've been uh, asking the Lord for encouragement, but you haven't brought him what you've got. And the Lord is saying, 
You've been waiting for the bread to rise. But I'm saying, come on, wake up. It's time. Bring me what you've got because it's not about what you've got anyway because what you have to offer is unworthy before him. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy to be preaching to you this morning, but I've embraced his refining fire on his holy altar, and I'm giving him what I've got this morning. And I'm reminded of the verse in the old hymn, I Surrender All. It says, all to Jesus I surrender, now I feel the sacred flame. Oh, the joy of full salvation, glory, glory to his name. Paul says in Romans 12:1, he says, surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. He wants you. He wants all of you. The word says, surrender yourself and become a living sacrifice. Verse 21 says, it says, Then the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire rose out of the rock. And this is significant because who is our solid rock that we are standing upon? It is Jesus who we are one with. But it says the fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. So you see, God says, I don't need the lights. I don't need the smoke. I don't need the programs. I don't want a compromised. I don't want a complacent or a comfortable church. He says, I want you. I want you. I want all of you. I want my bride. I want a living sacrifice that will not bow to the ways of the world, that will remove the leaven, that will give me what they've got and give me everything they've got so that I can send my holy sacred flame upon them, that they may be consumed by my fire and will lead my people. They will lead my nation into breakthrough, into victory, into revival, into reformation. Then as we read the scriptures further, uh, worship, can you come on back up? Um, You can stay seated, but I'm going to ask worship to come on back up. But as we read the scriptures further, we see that Gideon, he has this interaction with the angel of the Lord that leads him to fully believe that it actually is the Lord who is calling him. And then Gideon builds an altar to the Lord called Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. Because God is calling Gideon to fight, but he wants Gideon to mark the moment with his shalom. He wants Gideon to mark the moment with his peace, with his wholeness. And when God calls us into something bigger than ourselves, we've got got to mark the moment with the shalom of his presence and advance from that place of promise. And these things that we spoke of this morning about Gideon, they were the defining moments that then led Gideon to actually destroy the altars of Baal in their land. And then from there, it was the moments, the defining moments that led Gideon to lead the Lord's army of 300 men. 300 men, it was a remnant. It was a remnant. It was God's remnant. And Gideon led them up against the Midianite army, which is believed to be an army of hundreds of thousands of soldiers. And he led them, and with 300 set-apart men, they won the victory by the power of God. They set God's people free from their oppressors. 
established Israel as a nation of freedom once again and brought it back to the heart of God and back to the fear of the Lord. Let's stand up. God is calling you and he wants to mark you this morning and to anoint you for the time in history you're in right now. And so the invitation of the Lord this morning is this. Surrender yourselves to the Lord God Almighty. Give him what you've got and give him everything you've got. The invitation of the Lord this morning is this. Surrender yourselves to the Lord God Almighty. Give him what you've got and give him everything you've got. And so if you're ready to give him what you've got, and everything you've got this morning, I'm going to invite you just to come forward. If you need to come forward right now, just come forward. If you say, that's me, I'm ready. i got to give them what I've got, and i got to give them everything I've got. Then come on. You may need to get on your face before him. You may need to lift your hands, and you may need to lift your heart in surrender to him. But this is your moment to give it all to him. To empty yourself of everything that is holding you back. To empty yourself of everything that is holding you back. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, God, that you're releasing your holy fire right now. Thank you, God. You're releasing your holy fire right now. Thank you, God. Remove the leaven. Remove the leaven. Offer yourself, your whole self, fully as a living sacrifice and you shall begin walking in true and pure worship before him place yourself upon the rock on the altar of the Lord and be cleansed and marked by his holy fire this morning thank you God thank you God Yeah. 